Wake up, West Georgia. It's time for the podcast powered by Coffee and Mountain Dew. The Morning Five with Bryce Sparling and Billy Lindahl. Wake up, West Georgia. It's time for your favorite morning podcast. It's Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022. And today's podcast is brought to you by the Perrion Lawyers. Nobody wakes up thinking, man, I hope I hire a lawyer today. But hey, life happens. Don't call one of those big law firms with overused slogans and thousands of billboards. We have a top-notch law firm right here in West Georgia. The Perrion Lawyers with offices in Carrollton and Bremen. Personal injury, workman's comp, and everything in between. Find them at callcadenow.com. That's C-A-L-L-C-A-D-E-N-O-W.com. Local lawyers, catchy slogans, a few billboards, big results. Christ, today we begin the podcast on a somber note. Um, last night... Uh, we lost one of our own, uh, Hunter Huey, the kid from Hart County that uh, had the accident over the weekend uh, with an ATV. He, he passed away. He succumbed to his injuries. Our thoughts and prayers will be with Hart County for not only this week, but for the rest of the year. That's when you lose one of your football players and when you lose one of your teammates, that's that is so difficult to deal with, and we will be Hunter Strong for this year. Yeah, thoughts and prayers to the whole Herd County community, the football team, the community down there, the Huey family. Um, that's never something you want to have to report when, when you hear about a young kid sustaining injuries and passing away from him. Uh, I can't imagine what his parents are going through. Thoughts and prayers, if you see him, give him a big bear hug. Uh, you never want to hear this. Something that I am, you know, they always say try to – find the silver lining and, and stuff like this i really love how the west georgia community comes together and you know we might be rivals on the on the court on the football field uh whatever it is we're doing the baseball field um but when one of our own you know goes through something like this when it's a hard time you really saw the west georgia community come together and uh reach out to the bremen community and the huey family as a whole and you, you know, let them know thoughts and prayers the herd county i'm sorry yeah the herd county community and uh the huey family uh, reaching out to them and, and let them know that that we're here for them uh, through this struggle and everything. So I think that's I think that's amazing the type of community we have out here that will do that. But yeah, thoughts and prayers, Hunter Strong, uh, for all year for the Herd County community and the Huey family. Yeah, and and this is this has been a tough week for the West Georgia community. I mean, losing uh, first losing Anna Jones from Mount Zion earlier in the week, and then Hunter Huey last night. I mean, it's just been it's a tough tough week, but. Yeah, it's not something we want to report on on a weekly basis. We can guarantee you that that this is this is something we do not want to have to talk about. But uh, these kids need to be brought up, and their names need to be recognized and remembered. Yeah. All right. Uh, today is National Watermelon Day. Can you get behind that one? I can, man. I love watermelon. Honestly, my kids all, uh, almost live off a of watermelon in the summers. They'll eat an entire watermelon within probably the first thirty to forty-five minutes we bring it home from the grocery store. Uh, so if we bring watermelon home from the grocery store and we want it for a future event, we have to put it in our refrigerator downstairs, my beer fridge in the garage. Uh, because if we bring it home and put it in the refrigerator upstairs, it the entire thing will be gone within a matter of probably 30 to 45 minutes. That's hilarious. Uh, huge, huge watermelon fans. See, I'm, I like the flavor of watermelon. I'm just not a big fan of like actually eating watermelon i don't know it's it's strange and i know that sounds ridiculously weird but it i don't know 
Is it the texture for you? I know watermelon is a, is a bit of an odd texture. It could be the texture. I don't know. Yeah. It, like, I love, like, watermelon-flavored stuff, but I just, the actual eating watermelon, just not a big fan of. Yeah, yeah, I understand. We're, we're pretty big watermelon fans here. My wife buys the seedless watermelons, which I never got growing up. You know, we just, you know, half the time they tell you to spit out the seeds. I never learned that when I was a little kid, and I got looked at as a weirdo the first time I ate watermelon around other people with seeds. I just ate seeds. Like, they're just follow. seeds. Yeah, I just ate the seeds. Like, I don't know. It's no big deal. It's just like eating sunflower seeds. It's the same thing. Uh, yeah, big, big watermelon fans. Speaking of that, it's National Grab Some Nuts Day. Let's go. Let's go. There's nothing better than grabbing some nuts. Let's talk about the Braves real quick. Braves beat the hell out of the Phillies last night. <laughs> Massive <laughs> offensive onslaught from the Phillies. Or from the Braves, I'm sorry. 13-1. Eddie Rosario, five ribs. Ozuna and Arcia both had two RBIs. Acuna and Swanson both had an RBI. Spencer Strider, six and two-thirds innings. That's a career high. One earned 13 Ks, also a career high. You couldn't have asked for a better outing for Spencer Strider last night. I think that kid's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, he's been so strong over the past month. And we're going to talk about that here shortly. But the fact that he he's a rookie, man, like a freaking rookie. I mean, I'm looking back at his game log right now, and it is just insane. For the month of June, the month of July, and his start last night, I mean, it's just absurd. You look at it, and he's had really two bad starts. He had the one start versus San Francisco where he went three and two-thirds and gave up six earned runs. And then he had the start against Washington where he went four innings and gave up five earned runs. And, you know, the four innings, five earned runs, that's bad, but that's not catastrophic. Now, the San Francisco start was. But you look at all the other ones, I mean, six innings, one earned run. Four and two-thirds, one earned run. Six innings, zero. Six innings, one earned run. Last night, six and two-thirds, one earned run. 13 Ks, 12 Ks, 11 Ks, 11 Ks. This kid is electric, man. And it doesn't seem like MLB pit, uh, MLB batters have figured him out yet. No, and I saw something on the broadcast last night that said that he leads the majors right now in, uh, I think, whiffs, like swinging whiffs. You know what I mean? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. So that's that's incredible. I mean, honestly, that's a he. He's right now. So he didn't get his first start until uh, when was it? Somewhere in late May, I believe, or some somewhere around May. And he is 10th in the MLB right now in strikeouts at 133. This guy has essentially played sort of the first. He missed the first month of baseball, and he's in the top 10 in the entire MLB in strikeouts at 133. That's absurd. That's crazy. So yesterday, Spencer Strider became the, the voice of the, or excuse me, he became the uh, rookie of the month for the month of July. So... Michael or Spencer Strider and Michael Harris are the Braves' first back-to-back NL Rookie of the Month winners since Craig Kimbrell and Freddie Freeman in 2011. And remind me, Freddie Freeman, Craig Kimbrell, those uh, those were pretty good baseball players, I believe, that panned out for the Braves. Pretty decent, yeah. Pretty decent. Even when we traded Kimbrell away, he was still a fantastic, fantastic baseball player. So that is uh, that's pretty awesome. And uh, Austin Riley won the NL player of, of the month last year uh, for all the for all the uh, National League players. So that's we get NL rookie back to bat and we get NL player of the month in Austin Riley. 
which Austin Riley deserved it because, dear Lord, his month of July was stupid. Nasty. Absolutely nasty. All right, Bryce, uh, let's talk about the SEC. Let's do it. We started off yesterday with a couple teams. We're going to continue today. We're going to start our SEC preview off today. And what we're really going to key on with this first team is family. All right? It's a big family atmosphere down there in Louisiana. I hate Brian Kelly. I hate Brian Kelly so much. LSU's keys to success this year, Billy, is going to be family. All right? That's what Brian Kelly has preached down there. LSU's quarterback room got so threadbare for the Texas Bowl last year that receiver John uh, John Trey Kirkland, a high school quarterback, was pressed into service behind the center. So who's starting at quarterback for the Tigers this season? There's sixth-year senior Miles Brennan, who hasn't played since early 2020 because of injuries and was talked back from the transfer portal by Brian Kelly. There's former Arizona State starter Jaden Daniels, who transferred in a few weeks before spring practice started. And there's redshirt freshman uh, Garrett Neusmeyer, who played spot duty in 2021, uh, but a true freshman midterm enrollee in Walker Howard. He's another one of the quarterback in the quarterback room, uh, son of 1990s LSU quarterback Jamie Howard. That quarterback room is very, very congested, and there is not a clear-cut starter right now for LSU. Uh, John Emery, our running back who was academically ineligible last year, returns this season and will try to improve on LSU's 114th ranked offensive uh, rushing yards for last year. For a university that dons itself as DBU, this year could be a rough one on the back end as LSU is young and thin at DB. Up front, though, LSU is fast, strong, and talented as anyone in the SEC. Ali Gay and BJ Ojolari will pair with Mason Smith and Jacqueline Roy to try and improve the 65th ranked defense from last year. I'm not high on LSU at all this year. I don't think this team is better than five and six. And I, in fact, I think they probably could be worse than that. Wow. Wow. Not you, not a huge fan oh, of LSU this year. We're talking Brian Kelly. When was the last time Brian Kelly went five and seven? Probably a while ago. He had a lot of successful years at Notre Dame. I just, I don't know. I don't see the talent right there on this LSU team, and especially at the quarterback position that they just don't know. Uh, so I think this is going to be a rough, rough first year for Brian Kelly. But he's a good coach. He'll get it turned around as much as I make fun of him. He is a good coach. Uh, next, we go to Auburn. No head coach returns to a more awkward, unsettled situation than Brian Harson entering his second season at Auburn. After a disappointing 6-7 and seven first season that included a five-game losing streak to end of the year, uh, Coach Harson witnessed his name very publicly dragged through the mud amid an investigation into his treatment of fellow coaches and players. Who's starting at quarterback for the Tigers is the big question. Texas A&M transfer Zach Calzada, who was one of the only quarterbacks to defeat Alabama in 2021 regular season, but was limited during the spring practices. Calzada feels like a high floor, low ceiling option for the Tigers, unless he takes a big leap from his playing days in College Station. Former LSU Tiger TJ Finley started three games last season after Bo Nix went down with the ankle injury, all losses, and finished the season with a 54.7% completion rating the wild card right now is oregon transfer robbie ashford who looked to be the best during auburn's a day spring game and will likely slot in as the number three on the depth chart but look for robbie ashford to sneak up during uh these fall practices the fall camp with uncertainty at quarterback auburn is going to have to rely on the running game to power the offense the good news is the star running back tank bixby had a strong argument as the best sec running back and has returned for another season 
Bigsby finished the 2021 season with 1,102 rushing yards and 10 touchdowns and should exceed those numbers in 2022. Do you know where he's high school? Uh, no. Where do you go? Where do you go to high school? Callaway. Went to Hurd County, right? Alloway. Callaway. That's right. I know he went down there somewhere. Uh, on paper, Auburn's offense doesn't have the firepower to get into the shootouts and win, putting pressure on the defense to keep the Tigers in games. If Tigers defense can meet the challenge, it will start with the success up front via lineman Derek Hall, Colby Wooden, and Eco Leota. Hall had nine sacks in 2021 on his way to second team All-SEC honors, and it looks primed to better those numbers this season. Owen Papoe, the former five-star recruit, should be Auburn's best linebacker if he can stay healthy. Tigers repeat from last year and go six and seven. And also not high on the Auburn Tigers. I think they're about uh, they're about like Missouri. They're about average this year. Uh, uh, that's just I don't know. It's Auburn. That's yeah, Auburn. They I, they have one or two years where they're like a ten win Auburn team, and then they'll have five or six years where they're just sort of I don't know. They wallow in mediocrity. Yeah. Next, we have the Texas A&M Aggies. The visions of grandeur for Texas A&M enjoyed when it hired head coach Jimbo Fisher may finally be coming into focus. Two seasons ago, the Aggies beat every opponent but Alabama last season. They defeated Alabama. Next, they aim to finish ahead of Alabama in the grueling SEC West division race. Starting quarterback from last year, Haynes King comes into the season as QB1 on the depth chart but it might not stay that way through camp. After the departure of Zach Calzada, transfer Max Johnson looks to battle King for the starting quarterback position. Whoever wins the quarterback position will throw to a good group of receivers with the potential to be great. Uh, Smith has had 90 receptions and 12 touchdown catches over the last two seasons. Five-star freshman Evan Stewart could fill that role. He had an excellent spring and figures to make an immediate impact as a deep threat on the Aggies roster. Sophomore Moose Muhammad comes in uh, on a strong last season and may be ready to break out. They have a really good wide receiver core. Uh, Defensive coordinator DJ Durkin supervised top 15 units at Florida in 2013, 2014, and at Michigan in 2015. He aims to do the exact same now at Texas A&M. Durkin has a lot of talent with uh, which to work with, especially as the Aggies secondary where four former starters all return. The Aggies look deep and talented up front. Defensive tackle McKinley Jackson has been productive part of the starter. He may be dominant in a full-time role. Jackson will have plenty of help in junior Isaiah Rake, sophomore Shamir Turner, and a quartet of five-star prospects headed by number one overall recruit Walter Nolan and Floridian Shamar Stewart and Gabriel Brownlow-Dindy. A&M could be so deep inside that Turner may have to shift down and join sophomores Fidel Diggs and Donnell Harris. I'm pretty high on the Aggies this year. I think they have a very talented roster. Uh, They get that quarterback situation sorted out, and I think they could compete with Alabama in the SEC West. I'm Uh going to give the Aggies Aggies an 11-2 season. I do think they drop a game against Alabama, but that is going to be a four-quarter game. That is awesome. I can't wait to see what they do this year. I'm really high on Texas A&M, especially with that recruiting class they get coming in. This looks like a uh, not a flash-in-the-pan uh, Aggies program that is building out there. You mean the one that they bought? That's it, yeah, the okay. one that they bought. Yeah. That Nick Saban said they bought and then said he did not say they bought right. it. Right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah, that one. 
Next up, we have Mississippi State. As Mississippi State gets set for its third year under head coach Mike Leach, the Bulldogs will enter the season with a solid veteran foundation. MSU has eight returning starters on each side of the football, all vital pieces of the team that ended the 2021 regular season ranked in the top 30 nationally in both total offense and total defense. Suddenly, a group that uh, only a couple years ago was one of the country's youngest teams seems all grown up, and that is great news for all Mississippi State fans. Quarterback Will Rogers leads the Mississippi State offense that is now at the point where, for the most part, uh, just about all have known, all the players have known in college is Leach's air raid offense. Of course, Rodgers is the centerpiece of the pass-happy system and showed last season how much of a weapon he could be. After being thrust into the starting role as a true freshman in 2020, Rodgers enjoyed a tremendous sophomore year in which he began rewriting MSU record books. Last season, Rodgers set the single-season school record for completions at 505, passing yards at 4,739, and touchdowns with 36. He set numerous single-game records as well and enters the 2022 season as MSU's leader in career completion percentage. Rodgers has seemingly progressed in each game the last two seasons and hasn't been long for getting comfortable in that system. Both Mississippi State's primary running backs, Jaquavius Marks and Dylan Johnson, have seen a ton of action. The only, uh, only two years into his career, Marks already holds the state career record for receptions by a running back and Johnson has been nearly as productive. The duo has accounted for 2,787 total yards the past two seasons, so they have an insanely talented backfield there at Mississippi State this year. The first two levels of Mississippi State's defense stands as a unit with the strongest track record on that side of the football. MSU brings back its entire starting defensive line and should add back into the mix uh, a skilled pass rusher in the form of Jordan Davis, not the one from Georgia, uh, Davis missed last year with a knee injury. The Bulldogs are also solid at linebacker as Jet Johnson, Nathaniel Watson, and Tyrus Wheat all return to go along with a talented depth behind them. MSU could surprise me. They're one of those teams that could be sneaky good. A solid quarterback, a veteran coach. I'm looking at six and seven right now, but that could easily turn into eight or nine wins. I would not be shocked if Mississippi State uh, won a couple of these games that they probably shouldn't and ended up with eight or nine wins. But I'm going to go conservative right now and say six and seven. You kind of shocked me when you said that the, the kid had led uh, MSU with career you know, receptions and, and things like, or career, yeah, the quarterback had career year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah career year for completions at 505, passing yards over 4,000 and tuds at 36. And uh, I'm sitting there and thinking, geez, man, Dak had like a huge year of msu and he didn't get that far that's that's insane yeah yeah that air raid offense with mike leach and the kid's talented you know so all that all that combined really helps out i i think msu could surprise people i'm gonna go conservative at six and seven but uh but put me on the record for not being surprised if they go eight or nine wins this year who big we wrap up the sec talk today with arkansas arkansas little pig suey uh, I love Arkansas. They're one of my probably one of my favorite teams in the SEC. Uh, massive, massively entertaining quarterback. Uh, the 2021 season had to feel like an emerging from dark days of the abyss and into the world of the living for Arkansas football fans. The Razorbacks sputtered for most of the past four years before finally reigning, regaining their foothold in the treacherous SEC West and shrugging off long losing streaks and trophy games against Texas A&M, LSU, and Missouri 
add in the 40 to win it to 21 blasting of Texas and win over Penn State in the Outback Bowl, the Razorbacks' first bowl victory over a Big Ten team, and happy days were here again under Sam Pittman, who just negotiated a big raise and an extension throughout the spring to start his third season as head coach. Well deserved. Offense, uh, absolutely. I'm a big favor. I'm a big fan when any uh, offensive line coach gets a head coach job. Big fan of that. Yes, sir. Off- offensive coordinator Kendall Bryles suggests Jefferson, the quarterback for Arkansas, might complete 65% of his passes in 2021, and the sophomore did better than that, hitting 67.3% for 2,676 yards with 21 touchdowns and four interceptions. And four interceptions. Jefferson also led the team with 664 rushing yards. Three tailbacks joined Jefferson with 500-plus rushing yards, giving Arkansas four 500-yard rushers in a season for the first time since 1975. The Razorbacks also averaged 200-plus yards passing at 213.9 and rushing an SEC best 227.8 for the first time since 1971. The Razorbacks lost their top run clogger in Ridgeway and their top pass rusher specialist in Williams, but got off to an early start in camp with tackles Isaiah Nichols, Terry and Carter showing big improvements. Defensive end Eric Gregory, Zach Williams, and Jashad Stewart continue to improve as veterans. The Arkansas coaches are ready to mine the transfer portal following the spring drills to add defensive line depth and they landed Landon Jackson from LSU and Jordan Dominic from Georgia Tech over the uh, the summer winter break. Uh, I'm not I'm not too high on the Razorbacks, but I do love their quarterback. I think a repeat of last year's nine and four season, somewhere around there, a nine win and eight win team. I think that's in the realm of possibility. They're not going to compete for the SEC West title. They're not going to go up and beat Texas A&M. They're not going to go up and beat Alabama. But Arkansas could slot themselves in as the third best team in that SEC West division. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised considering how good Sam Pittman is, but that's that's just me. Good coach, good team, talented squad. I'll be excited. They're one of the most exciting teams, I think, in the SEC this year to see what they do just because of the unknown. All right, let's run down some Major League uh, Baseball trade deadline moves from over the weekend and and up until yesterday. Padres yesterday acquired Juan Soto and Josh Bell from Mackenzie Gore, DJ Abrams, Luke Vogt, and three other prospects. What a massive haul that the Nationals What a haul. That's crazy. Soto and Bell. Um, The Padres also acquired Josh Hader from the Brewers for Taylor Rogers, uh, Enelson Lamette, and uh, Eustery Ruiz. Uh, prospect Robert Gasser as well. So, I mean, Josh Hader, I mean, Padres are loading up right now. And I'm not they're, even... They're going to have a salary of like $1 billion. <laughs> where, are they, where are they in the standings? Because they're not... The, no, uh, the I, can t- I, can tell you, I can tell you real quick. I know they're not in first place, though. Uh, Padres right now are 11 and a half games back of LA. Good, good. Yeah. Uh, Yankees acquire... Uh, Frankie Montez and Lou Trevino for four prospects. That that's a huge pickup for the Yankees, who are already one of the better uh, teams in in baseball. Twins acquire uh, Jorge Lopez for the Orioles and four pitching prospects. That's the um, that was the Orioles closer. And the Orioles yes. have been playing so freaking well, and they just dumped everybody yesterday. It was it was insane. Like everything I saw yesterday, it was like Orioles are. 
Oh, another Orioles player leaving. Oh, another one. I'm like, God, <laughs> this is like they were close to the wild card for the first time in years, and you're just gonna dump everybody. Uh, doesn't make sense. Yeah, they're only a game and a half out of the wild card. No. So, I, yeah, I don't understand it. It's very mind-boggling. Mind-bottling. <laughs> Yankees acquired Scott Efros for prospect uh, Hayden Wisniewski, and then the Braves. And we've got a poor, poor drink out for, for Matt Ridgeway. Braves acquiring reliever Rysel Iglesias from the Los Angeles Angels for Jesse Chavez and Tucker Davidson. Or Jesse Chavez being, being gone. we got a poor... Four went out for Jesse Chavez today. Bye, Jesse. All right, let's get to the Marines' house scoreboard. Yesterday, the NL East, the Reds beat the Marlins two to one, and the Nationals beat the Mets five to one. So the Braves are now what two and a half games back? Two uh, and a half, three in the loss column. Let's go, and we've got a five-game setup against them coming up uh, Thursday. So that's going to be fun. Uh, on the Stump and Events game calendars tonight. We have softball on the on the docket. Bryce Alexander. Let's go. Ryan, it's a scrimmage, but still it's high school sports. 530 on today at Mount Zion. You can go watch Alexander face off against Mount Zion. Uh, NL East, the Phillies face the Braves at 1220 today. And then the Mets at the Nationals at 405. Reds at the Marlins at 640. Let's go Nats. Can you Can you go ahead and finish off the Mets? That would be awesome. Yeah, just go ahead and keep knocking them off. Get another win. And uh, let's, Bryce, I, I know I need another cup of coffee. Do you need one? Yes, absolutely. Need another cup of coffee this morning. I made my coffee this morning. You know what I did? You set your alarm? No, I, I set my alarm, made a cup of coffee. I forgot to put coffee grounds in the coffee pot this morning. So I woke up to just a warm pot of water. Good job. Yeah, exactly uh, what I want. Another cup of coffee brought to you by realtor Hannah Strawn with the Robert Goolsby Real Estate Group. Thank you, Hannah, for sponsoring us. Uh, the NFL has stripped the Miami Dolphins of two draft picks, suspended owner Stephen Ross, and fined him $1.5 million as a result of the investigation of the allegations levied by former coach Brian Flores. The league has also cited impermissible communications with Tom Brady and Sean a- Payton's agents. So that's, that's some massive losses right there. Loss for the Dolphins right there. They did find they weren't losing games on purpose. The Dolphins do indeed just suck. But uh, yeah, they did get they did get popped for this tampering right here. The Denver Broncos wide receiver Tim Patrick has suffered and torn ACL as a knee in the camp and the season. That sucks. For uh, dude was having an awesome yeah, yeah for for Denver yeah, that sucks for Broncos. Yeah, Tim. Uh, Tim Patrick is not going to ride. It looks like this season he will be. He won't be. He will be sitting watching. That sucks. He's had a he's had a massive massive camp so far. I, I know they were really high on him out there in Denver. New York Mets starter Jacob Grom has his first uh, start this season, and it, he looked sharp. Uh, prepares for Atlanta Braves next uh, over the weekend. He will he will pitch against us over the weekend, which is going to be just so much fun. I love facing DeGrom. I'm excited to see him. I th- I think um, I don't remember who the starting matchup uh, is for that, but I think it's a I think it's a good one. It's um it's DeGrom and Strider is yeah. So so right now what it looks like is we're gonna have this is going to be Saturday night is going to be Freed versus Scherzer, and then Sunday afternoon is gonna be Strider versus DeGrom. 
That sounds fun. That's, I'm, that's like playoff matchup right there, good. man. I'm excited oh, about yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, on a somber note, Vin Scully, the iconic former Los Angeles Dodgers broadcaster, and honestly, he called... He was the voice of the Game of the Week for years and years and years and, years and probably just didn't realize that, but he died at the age of 94. Um, so, R.I.P. to Vince. He is probably one of my favorites ever. Honestly, he loved listening to Vin. He was just so iconic, man. He really is. And then Almost as good as Keith Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Finally today in 1936, America Sprinter and Ohio State alum Jesse Owens wins the 100-meter uh, 10.3 seconds in front of Adolf Hitler in a famous race at the Berlin Olympics, first of the four gold medals at the Games. One of the most iconic pictures, I think, in all of sports history right there. Yes, Jesse Owens standing at the top, fist in the air, staring right, you know, right in front of Adolf Hitler. One of the most iconic pictures in all of sports. thousand percent. You got anything else today? Nah, man, I'm good. Let's get out of here uh, on this Wednesday. I almost forgot today was Wednesday. I almost said it was Tuesday, but let's get out of here on a hump day. All right, it is hump day. Let's let's go enjoy it. Uh, again, we are, are Hunter Strong. We are... Our thoughts and prayers are with, with her county, man. That's, that's awful. Uh, we hope to be able to talk with you tomorrow. Same time, same place. Shake your neighbors! Just shake them! Shake your neighbors!